When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to the NUFC blogcast. After we were outgunned against Arsenal, we're going to review that game. We're going to preview the important, well, what seems like so important FA Cup match against Blackburn this week as well on Tuesday. And we're going to talk about everything else as well. Uh, what have we got? We've got a bunch of questions. We've got part of the week. We've got Twitter questions. We've got FYI, man. Loads to talk about once again on the NUFC blogcast. Ollie, uh, we were, well, two things to say. That's our first goal at the Emirates since 2014. Uh, but we were completely outgunned, outclassed and outfought and out everything, weren't we? Yeah, we were. I mean, I was going to say, we, we've often been very like optimistic on this podcast, I would say. And whenever we've had some poor results or disappointing performances, we've tried to sort of say, look, we're going to get players back from injury. This is just a little blip. We'll we'll be fine. But I do think there's been a bit of a trend now for a while where the identity of an Eddie Howe team just hasn't really been there. Which, when we've had certain players back from injury, when we haven't got the fatigue as a, an excuse because the fixtures have become a bit easier in terms of the schedule, when when we haven't really had those mitigating factors as much to to turn to, it's it's bit a bit more of a worry. So obviously it's Arsenal, a team that I think in the last two Premier League games had won by an aggregate score of like eleven nil, and they'd, um, I think. It wasn't long ago, they were, I think they beat Liverpool as well at, at uh, the Emirates. And they've been amazing recently, Arsenal, aside from that midweek game in Porto, which was awful, awful. But uh, but at the same time, we can't just say, oh, the better team won. What can you do about it? Because that was nothing like the sort of hallmarks of an Eddie Howe team. There wasn't there wasn't the intensity. We weren't getting into tackles. The defence was a complete mess. I wouldn't say we downed tools, but I, I, it did look like a bunch of sort of individuals on the pitch at times, which is which is something we've never said really under Eddie Howe. So... So yes, we were beaten by the better team, and I think sometimes when the when the technical quality of another team shows, you can accept that to an extent. But when I think you don't put in enough physically and you don't you don't compete, that's when you start and ask a few questions. So so yeah, it wasn't just the fact we lost; it was just the nature of it for me it was a bit a bit concerning. And that links, doesn't it, to you know, last season we were known as the team that competed more than anyone. We we we, yeah. we annoyed teams because. We had people like I suppose we missed Joe Linton and, and players like of that ilk, don't we? At the moment, we're really missing them. But Massively, I, I yeah. think that that identity we had last season of uh, a team. You know, we talked about last week. We won how many games? One nil. You know, last yeah, year yeah. that's just completely gone. It's chaos now. So, is it yeah. what's going on? Where's our identity gone? Is it just the players we're missing? Is it something else? Something else? Is it what's going I mean, on? I think that's the tough bit. It's hard to put your finger on it. I mean, I would say without wanting to make excuses for it, because as I've just said, I, you can't really 
you can't really allow for the sort of performance we put in. But there has it has been a season where when anything could go wrong, it has gone wrong. Whether it's the Tonali saga, which quickly turned into our second most expensive signing, getting banned. Whether it's even more recently to the Dan Ashworth thing off the field, which has got to be unsettling. We've obviously had issues with Joe Linton, Nick Pope's out. We've never had Joe Willock fit. We've rarely had our strikers fit. Just just when you get sort of Wilson back up to speed, Isaac goes out. Then when Isaac's fit, Wilson's out for several months. Uh, as I've said, we've been unlucky with summer signings, not just Tonali, but Harvey Barnes, who's never really got himself fit. But yeah, like all of those things are true. We've also been unlucky with with draws, whether it's the some of the cup draws we've had, whether it's the Champions League. And I think as well in January, just when we needed to strengthen, FFP kind of tied our hands and we weren't able to. But all of those things aside, as you just said, what's happened to the sort of high pressing, all action kind of shit houses we used to be, who were so solid defensively and were so tough to play against and tough to beat, to now being soft, pretty unorganized, easy to play against. So yeah, I, it's hard to put your finger on it. Obviously, the as I've just mentioned, there, there's been loads of mitigating factors over this season, which say back in December when we were on that awful run, it was really difficult, but it was also, you, as we've said there, there was either injuries, there was the schedule which we which which caught up with us given the number of injuries we had and the fatigue it created. Whereas now, Eddie Howe said himself, we're back in a normal training schedule. Isaac and Wilson, um, not Wilson, Isaac and Willock are back from injury. Barnes is back from injury. Botman's fit again. We haven't had issues with Trippier. He seems his form is, is kind of sorted itself out a little bit. So it's just it's really hard to put your finger on and I don't know whether it's just kind of a a season that's got away from us and we haven't been able to quite recover and we're almost in that slump now which we're, which we're trying to get out of but obviously we're struggling to but it is it is a bit of a mystery isn't it well look we don't want to talk about it too long but give us the positives and negatives from that game what was start with the positives I mean Joe Willock came back and scored I guess yeah I mean I was going to say Willock is a positive it is I think after a game like that it is really hard to come out with positives but I think Willock's got to be one just having him fit again and I think Without him doing a great deal, I, I still think we saw glimpses of his sort of pace, ball carrying, and, and that is athleticism and goal threat, which we've talked about for a while, which the likes of Sean Longstaff just hasn't really offered. I, I think, I've mentioned before, Miley's been brilliant since he's, he's come in. He couldn't have done any more, really. But I think a midfield where there's Miley and Longstaff either side of Bruno is incredibly one-paced, not just for bursting forward, but recovery runs in the other direction. And I think with Joe Willock, I really hope he can stay fit, especially with Joe Linton still injured because he gives us a completely diff- different dynamic. Like I say, his pace, his ball carrying and his goal threat, which you saw for the goals. So I think his return comes at a, a really important time because not only because what he can offer, but what we just don't have in with with Miley, Bruno and Longstaff. It's just that midfield yeah. three. It's the only option options we've had for about a month now, but it just doesn't really work. It's too slow. I think Miley and Longstaff are very similar styles, style of players. Um, and when you think for so long, our system was kind of a, a number six with very athletic, mobile, number eight either side of them. I don't think Longstaff and Miley are, are those things. They're not particularly athletic or, 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 or quick or strong. So, And, and we, we've often needed those number eight in wide areas to not only support the wingers, but also protect the fullbacks. And I don't really think they've had the legs to do that. So, mm. so yeah, I think Willock back's a big one. I think it, it's really clutching its straws, but Isaac coming off without an injury is something. Some, I mean, I think that shows the state of our season. With oh, and Bruno coming off. You knew we'd given up when Bruno came off, but it was because yeah. he hadn't had a yellow. Let's get him off, keep him fit. for. Yeah, made sense, didn't it? I think, I've heard some people say, oh, I would have taken a yellow against Arsenal because he then missed the Blackburn game. But I'm pretty sure... 10 yellows in the Premier League means 
a two game ban in the Premier League, not one in the cup, one in the Premier and League. And also, I want him for Blackburn because look, yeah. we're going to preview that game, but this is totally the sort of game Newcastle could, could mess up. Yeah, but yeah, sorry. Massively. So, I mean, yeah, 100%. I mean, it's, 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 like I say, clutching at straws here, but Bruno avoiding that yellow and allowing him to play against Blackburn and then Isaac getting a 60 minutes in the bag and hopefully being okay for, for Blackburn it is important this sort of in this situation we're in. Another positive, I suppose it's a bit, I don't know if you can call this a positive, but considering we obviously come away with no points from Arsenal, it was a positive that Man United lost at home to Fulham. Brighton also dropped points at home to, to Everton. So two kind of top six contenders there. They both had winnable home games and they only, well, Man United lost, Brighton drew. So, yeah, we obviously, it's all about us and we missed, well, I say missed our chance. It was never going to be easy at Arsenal, but in a weekend where we picked up nothing, at least Man United did the same and Brighton only got a point. So, um, so yeah, not not many positives there, but they're, they're just a couple. Um, negatives, I guess we've talked about go, a lot. Yeah. Of go on. I, think... I mean, negatives. I mean, it, it's almost like, Pointing out the obvious, but you know we lost. We conceded four goals. <laughs> we lost. I, mean, uh, I think on. I think a more specific one. I don't know what you thought, but I thought it was very obvious how how poor Botman looked. He's often. I mean, obviously we know what a good player he is. He rolls Royce at his best, and he has had that serious knee injury, which Howe did mention today. I think he gave the ball away about eight eight times or something. It was yeah, it, yeah. It was very it, unlike him. It's just not like him, isn't it? Because he's normally such a well-rounded centre back for the size and 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 sort of stature of him he's also reads the play so well he's so good on the ball but I just thought he looked slow sluggish very switched off and he was poor on the ball I think for Saka's goal he might have lost it in the build-up and then yeah he didn't he didn't look right and uh so that that's kind of a concern but I think another thing which I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier is we we've like lost our nastiness and I know Joe Linton's a massive miss I know Bruno's been walking a tightrope on set on the nine yellow cards but I saw a stat I think Jake one of the writers for the blog he put it on Twitter at the time. And in the 70th minute, we'd only committed four fouls all game. Now, that might seem like a good thing because why would you want to commit fouls? But in a game where we were constantly chasing the ball, we weren't in possession. To not really get in Arsenal's faces as much as we did was summed up by the fact there were so few fouls. And um, I think I read as well that Arsenal had more than double the amount of fouls we committed despite having so much more of the ball, which, again, some people might say, well, yeah, but why do you want to make fouls? Surely a foul is an error. But It's what it shows, we, isn't it? Yeah, we weren't like, getting into them enough. Yeah. We weren't. If you look at the Newcastle's one 0 win over Arsenal back in November last year, <laughs> we fouled every two seconds. Yeah, some of our some of our players should be in prison after that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just look at. I mean, you saw the way Arsenal fans reacted to Bruno and his sort of rough treatment, and we got. I mean, I know it's a little bit different. It's in James's part. The atmosphere was up, and it was a different game, but that worked against him, and that tended to work last season. We were like we were shit houses. We were we were physical. We got on people's faces. We we did whatever we needed to do to unsettle teams, and we didn't do anything to unsettle Arsenal on Saturday. In fact, they kind of played our best game against us, if you know what I mean. They kind of played the Newcastle way against us, and we couldn't cope, and we just looked a bit unprepared for it. It's as if, I know Eddie Howe said we had a great weekend training and came into the game in, in good spirits and well-prepared, but we didn't look prepared for what Arsenal threw with us, and we had no answer, and uh, just very, very flat and passive, really. Mm. And uh, Newcastle's what if moment? What's that? You've you've written this. Well, I get I get these notes that, that to do the podcast, which is obviously <laughs> very helpful. Little little insight. And it's NUFC's what if moment. I don't actually know what you mean. What what do you mean? So Miggy you, Miggy nearly scoring or no? So you'll know exactly what I'm about to say here when I start this. But watching the Carabao Cup final on Sunday, oh, I was looking at Chelsea, who obviously beat us in the quarterfinals. <sighs> and, and let's you face it, you didn't emotionally we were... prepare me for that. Be clear. I know, next I'm time sorry. 
<laughs> I know it's 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 one thing to the next, isn't it? But looking back at that Trippier clearance, if he just booted that into Rose Ed, we're in the semi-finals against Middlesbrough, who I know you couldn't really be completely certain would beat them, given our form has been unpredictable recently, but you'd like to think would probably beat Middlesbrough. All I'm saying is if Newcastle were in that final against a Liverpool team without Salah, Nunes, Jota, Trent, Allison, Sabozalai, pretty much all, aside from maybe Van Dijk and a couple of others, all of the, the big the big guns, I was just watching it thinking, oh, it's, it's it was pretty much 12 months on from the, the Carabao Cup final last year. And I know some people might say, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't our year this year. We've, not, we've never really been good enough and we would have probably had our own injury issues. But I did look at the, the sort of Liverpool team and, and how they were there for the taking and think, just what if we just got through that Chelsea game? How how could things have changed? Because it could have even added momentum to our season in the Premier League as well. And um, so yeah, a bit, that's a bit of a negative one. But I don't. Know, I think I'll be one of several Newcastle fans who are watching that final, thinking, "Man, what if would what if we just just got over that over the line against Chelsea?" But uh, yeah. but yeah, it wasn't wasn't to be. Absolutely gutting. Right, poll of the week. Uh, what have we? What have you done it on uh, this week, Ollie? So I thought I'd ask about European football for next season because obviously there's a lot of debate around well the Champions League debate's kind of fizzled out for a while now but there's still there's still competitions there for us to qualify for so the question was where will Newcastle finish this season in relation to European football for 2024-25 so the options are Champions League Europa League Europa Conference or no Europe at all uh, okay and I've got an actual, I've got a response from Toonpools. I know he's been really busy, so he hasn't always been able to give his vote. But he said, I think we're winning the FA Cup, so whatever that gets, <laughs> which I love. Mm. I love the optimism, but that, that would be Europa League. Um, mm. that's an, and that's another reason to take the Cup really seriously, not just to get a trophy, but if we can't quite do it in the Premier League, we could we could finish 10th and win an FA Cup and, and get Europa League. So, um, so yeah, I like, I like the positivity there. <laughs> yeah, no, massively. I mean, what uh, I, I, I think... If we're talking about in the league qualifying, forget the FA Cup. I mean, that yeah. would be incredible. Yeah. But I, th- I still think I'd go Europa Conference. You know, I mean, even maybe Europa League. Like if if fifth place goes to, if fifth Liverpool winning the other day was good for us, yeah, because it, was. it it means there's another seventh now becomes Europa League. I think. Well, hang on, I, hang on. I, I, the way I, I took it, it, yeah, go on. I, I think I mean obviously we can confuse this by saying if the UEFA coefficients allow fifth in the Champions League then other things could change. But if we just go on the rules based on us not getting that, we know the top four is the Champions League. Fifth is, is Europa League. And I think sixth becomes Europa League, a guaranteed Europa League, if the teams that win the Carabao Cup and FA Cup are already in the Champions League. Yeah. So because, as you say there, if Chelsea had won it, with them quite likely to finish sort of ninth or tenth this season, let's just say, if they'd won it, that slot might have not opened up. So yeah, it, it was good news from a Europe perspective, but I think that means that providing the FA Cup also is won by a team who are in the top four, I think this means that fifth and sixth will be Europa League, seventh but will be conference, but it could be eighth conference as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's be optimistic here. Let's say, because at the moment we're in line to get fifth as Champions League, we're second to Italy uh, and the yeah. top two are going to get it. People yeah. thought because we went out, Man United went out. Oh, there's no chance. But actually, we are on track to get it. And if you yeah. know, you hope City go far. Arsenal are looking flipping imperious. So, let's say fifth goes Champions League. That means then sixth and seventh will be Europa League, which means so. eighth will be Europa Conference. Have we got a chance of that? Absolutely. Um, so do you know what? I'm going to change my vote. I'm going to go Europa League. 
I mean, if you look at the table and if we're currently on track for the fifth place getting Champions League and therefore there'd be, I would think, more slots for the Europa League in sixth and seventh. I mean, as things stand, yes, we're ninth. I know Wolves overtook us at the weekend when they beat Sheffield United, but in seventh are Brighton, who were only two points ahead of us. Brighton are just as inconsistent as us. We're getting players back from injury. We've got a kind run of fixtures coming. Something will have to change in terms of our defensive performances and also oh, we've, def- we've definitely got to go on a run yeah we've definitely yeah of course yeah. but uh, but no I, I think at the minute i would probably if i was having to put my house on it i would probably say europe a conference league i don't buy this idea that we're going to finish sort of 11th or some people say it can be i saw a few people comment and saying we'll, we'll be lucky to finish in the top half i think we'll be i think we'll have a decent run at the end of the season but it's i think a lot will depend on the uefa coefficients because i i'll be honest i don't see us getting top six now we're now seven points behind man united I don't feel like we're showing enough consistency to put that run together, even though Man United themselves are very poor. But I can see us finishing seventh, and we'll have to just see whether that's Conference League or Europa League. But I think we'll get Europe in some form. I think I'd fairly confidently say that. Yeah, I, I do as well. I mean, the f- people can't throw their toys out the pram because we lost 4-1 to Arsenal, who are in imperious form and are the first team ever in Premier League history to score two goals in seven consecutive halves of football. True. I mean, there's a stat for you. Saying that though, there's also just for a bit of balance, I guess. Not that I'm trying to be some doom monger here, but in terms of Newcastle's stats, one thing that we have to change is how we've been conceding goals since we've opened injuries. I'm not not really potential. I'm not even trying to be positive, really. I'm just saying. No, it was Arsenal. Like, (sighs) I think this week coming up will be a massive indication of of where we are and where we're going to go because Blackburn and Wolves. Wolves are a good team and obviously they're kind of just, just overtaking us now. But I think that's going to be a, a better, a better sort of I, I'm going to be at Wolves. At. I'm going to Wolves. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So you've managed to, to get through the train strikes. Oh, is there train? Oh, I haven't even done that yet. Is there train strikes? Is there? Oh, yeah. Yes. I think there is. So I mean, you'll be glad I told you that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. But, I better look but, after this. But no, just um, on the, I know there's the stats there on Arsenal, but I did, I did hear actually a bit of after the halftime whistle in the Arsenal game, it was the first half in over 10 years that Newcastle haven't had a single shot in the first 45 minutes. And at the other end, I had a little look at at a stat here. And before Nick Pope's injury, we conceded 14 goals in 14 games, averaging obviously conceding a goal a game. Since Nick Pope's injury, we've conceded 31 in 12 games, which is an average of 2.6 goals conceded a game. So my my dad keeps saying it when we go to games that, oh, I think we'll we'll need three goals to win this. And, that's often been the case, hasn't it? So I think that sort of defensive, that defensive sort of, not just not just the stats and the numbers behind it, but that general unit needs to improve because we've gone from, I think, being the joint best defence in the entire league or maybe just behind Man City last season to being, I think, the fifth worst defence in the Premier League at the minute. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that needs to change, but not just the numbers, but just the general identity of the team needs to come back, doesn't it? Yeah. Right. Uh, some Twitter questions here. Thank you very much for all your questions. Do look out for that tweet each, each, well, we record on Monday. Usually when's the tweet go out? Monday or Sunday? Or I think it's Sunday, evening? Sunday evening. I've been putting it out. Okay, cool. Well, we've got quite a few questions. Now I'm going to kind of bundle some of the questions up into one, which is all about Eddie Howe. So uh, it's kind of three questions in one, which is, is Eddie Howe under pressure? Um, would we keep Eddie Howe's manager for next season? Will the board act on Eddie? Basically, Eddie Howe, his job, is he under pressure next season? What do you reckon, Ollie? Yeah, I mean, I think what's probably fair to say is when there was criticism back in December and there was any talk of him being under pressure, we quite rightfully said, well, that's just an absolute load of nonsense. He, he, the first sign of trouble and people are sort of 
calling for his head or questioning him. I struggle with that. I do think though a couple of months on, as I've said, now those mitigating factors aren't really a thing anymore. Yes, we've got a couple of players out, but most teams have injuries. I, I just think now it is starting to become a test of Eddie Howe and to see how he can sort of turn this around because we, as I say, we can no longer fall back on the injuries, the fatigue, the schedule, all of those things. So I think he's going to start and come under more pressure in the coming weeks if this sort of trend of losing our identity, conceding so many goals, not winning games does continue. But at the same time, I do think that the club are going to look at it. As I've said before, this has been a season where anything that could go wrong has gone wrong. I think he's definitely, in my opinion, going to get the summer to at least rebuild, make a couple more signings, get Tonali back, get Barnes up to speed, hopefully have a st- more than one fit striker most, most weeks of the season. So I think he'll get a chance to sort of rebuild this summer and go into next season afresh with new signings, with players fit. And I think from that point, if things then didn't improve, there'd be serious, serious questions because, like I say, those those mitigating factors wouldn't be there anymore. So, mm. um, the ne- yeah, I think the next few months are very important to set up the summer. And if it went awfully, who who knows what could happen? But personally, I think he's going to get at least the summer and the start of next season. Um, and I think you and then that, I, I, that kind of that kind of links into another question we got, which is if it starts badly next season, is is he is he going to sort of be quickly ushered out? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you kind of answered that. The hard bit would be that if he oversaw, and I think he has a lot of control behind the scenes, and I guess in some respects he's he's, he's he's earned that, but I think the only problem would be that if we gave him a massive amount of control over the summer to make signings, to keep certain players, to sell certain players, but then acted early in next season, we'd have kind of already, we've already kind of backed him. So, but, I, but it's a tough one. I think, I think obviously football can be quite ruthless and let's face it, the Saudi Public Investment Fund have, come into Newcastle as Al Ramayan said a while ago to make us number one. So they're gonna they're gonna have patience to a point. But I think if he if we spent a lot in the summer, if Eddie Howe was given the time to to get things right, but things weren't changing, then yeah, they probably would act. But hopefully, hopefully it doesn't come to that. Well that links just 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 quickly Mark. I mean thank you to Bobby B and UFC. Um thank you to uh, Fabian Shah. I don't think that's the Fabian Shah. And thank you to Reese for your questions there. Mark Doyle asked a question that links to what you just said. Does Eddie have too much control in the running of the club? Well, it's hard to say that. I've seen a few bits about Dan Ashworth and apparently obviously Dan Ashworth was was actually came into his job after Eddie Howe was appointed and there's been some talk that while there was no fallout between Ashworth and those behind the scenes, that he, he didn't have as much control as he thought he would have as the director of football. And obviously we've heard a lot about, we get linked with, with a lot of sort of overseas players who get sometimes quite exciting names. But then in reality, Newcastle have ended up going for a, a fair few sort of Premier League proven players. And a lot of people have looked at that and thought, oh, that was a that was an Eddie Howe signing. Or an example would be someone like Conor Gallagher, who's been linked for a long time would be linked with a £50 million move for Conor Gallagher, who some people think would be crazy money. And that would look like an Eddie Howe signing. And then some of these gems that Steve Nixon, the head of recruitment, looks at, we don't seem to pursue, um, despite having so many successes with, with sort of Bruno and Isaac and Botman. So who knows? The summer will be a big test of that, I think, of how much control Howe has. And it might also be a sign of, of the control Howe has when you look at the sporting director that replaces Ashworth. So... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a tough one. I, I think the manager needs a, a fair bit of control, given he is the one that trains every week and picks the team and knows exactly how, what he wants his team to look like. Um, but there has been concerns at times when we've been linked with some of these names who feel like, like the likes of McTominay and Gallagher over some of these European gems who could become the next Bruno. So I, I don't know. I think I think how probably does have a lot of control 
um yeah to be honest i think i think i think okay. i get the feeling he does <laughs> all right well good, good good answer to that thank you for your question last one uh the zig the underscore zig said why did ashworth get fed up so quickly i'd encourage you zig to um listen to our last podcast where we talked a lot about that uh i think ultimately it, it, just for a quick answer uh, ollie correct me if i'm wrong uh, i think a how and him didn't get on brilliantly it sounds like and how wanted to control and ashworth wanted control and how's won. but second of all uh you know we have to admit as newcastle fans that the role of bringing Manchester United back to the top of football, if you're not a Newcastle fan and you're just a football fan, is probably the biggest in the world. Um, yeah. Or one of. And it's painful to admit, but that, you know, that is probably true. So oh. once he heard, and he's friends with Dave Broudsford. And yeah, he's, he's I was just going to say that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's it disappointing because it's disappointing. As, you, as you've said, them that the project at Man United is a huge one and he's friends with Brailsford, but it is very frustrating when he buys into a long term project and doesn't stay for it. But if he didn't totally. feel like the role was what, what was promised to him, there's that factor as well. But yeah, just got to move on from him now, really, haven't we? Yeah, but we're only, we'll only let him go if they pay the money. Uh, yeah. I'd be really annoyed if we let him go otherwise. Yeah. 100%. Um, uh, so that's great. That's probably the week in 20 questions. Just before we take a break, Ollie, you were going to say something about uh, NUFC women. They've just got yes. to the final, haven't they? Yeah, because I, I thought it'd be, I mean, obviously they've been doing brilliantly for a long time, but obviously over the weekend, they were playing in a, a semi final against Portsmouth at St. James's Park. And there's over 22,000 fans went there. And just before I mentioned the final itself, it's been like a really impressive few seasons for the women. They've they sealed promotion to the third tier last summer. Um, they've then become full time professional team. And then not only after sealing promotion, they're now top of the of the third tier. So they've as a newly promoted team, they're top with thirteen wins, one drawn, one defeat in in their fifteen games. I think as well, I read that they were on a nearly a four hundred day unbeaten run before they actually drew Man United, who were obviously one of the best women's teams about in the FA Cup last month. They lost there, but um, but yeah, they've been on an amazing run and, and not only top of their league, but they were in the semi-finals of the FA Women's National League Cup on Sunday. And they and they beat Portsmouth two one. So it was a late goal from Gemma Gibson at the Gallagher, um, to send them into the final. Where I think it's at the end of March they're playing at Kenilworth Road actually, Luton Stadium. Uh, so so yeah, it's 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 been amazing. I think just to see the support they've got, to see the job Becky Langley's done, the involvement of Amanda Stavely, who's often there at games and has a real rapport with the players, and as well I think for the area, there's going to be so many young girls that's inspired to to play. So. Um, so yeah, amazing to see what they're doing in the league. They're set for another promotion, and they're on for the double. They could, uh, yeah, they could win the league and the cup. So, so yeah, hats off to them. And Jeff, actually, the Jeff King, one of our writers for the blog, he always goes to all of the games and always sends me a match report every week. So that's actually out on the, the website now. Actually, for anyone who wants to check it out. But uh, but yeah, a, a bad week, a bad weekend for the men, a brilliant one for the women. Let's take a quick break. Welcome back. Right, Ollie, we've got to do this quickly because I've it's my fault. I've got something else uh, on. Not that I want to spend time previewing Blackburn because I'm excited. Can we win the FA Cup, Ollie? Can we? Well, just lie, to, just lie to me. Just lie to me. Say yes. <laughs> I mean, Toonpool thinks we're going to. <laughs> it's enough for me. Yeah, but yeah, well, yeah. Actually, yeah. talking of that, we didn't actually even reveal the result of the poll, you know. Oh, well, let's do it now. Go for it. So, so very quickly, results. on the back of Toonpool's vote that we're going to win the FA Cup to get into Europe, after two and a half thousand votes, so the most popular was no Europe. Forty nine percent said we're not getting into Europe, which is probably you a miserable reaction. bunch. Yeah, <laughs> probably a reaction to the Arsenal performance. Then next up is Europa Conference League, forty percent. 
there's a bit of a split there in terms of no Europe and then sneaking in via the conference. Then 9% think Europa League. So there's a 10% of us are fairly positive-ish there. And then 1.6% reckon Champions League. So, But I'm guessing they think we're going to get in through the coefficient and then finish fifth because that's got to be the only way. But uh, but yeah, it seems a mix there between no Europe and, and Europa Conference League. But yeah, sorry, that was just to completely interject there. But uh, I just realized we didn't actually, didn't even re- reveal the results. No, no, that's good. And another piece of news that's just broken as things do while we're on the pod is that Everton's points deduction has been changed from 10 points to six points. Oh, after an independent panel. Uh, Interesting. Has, has heard it. So it doesn't make a difference to us, really. They're still, I just I've checked. Heard. I thought, I, I'm in such a negative mood that I thought they're not ahead of us now, are they? <laughs> but no, they're still on, they're on 27 points now and Ooh. we are on uh, 37. So we're still 10 points ahead of them. Yeah, that's good. Um, right. I said, let's be quick. And then we're talking about something else. Talk, tell us the basics. The Blackburn game Tuesday, where, when yeah. can we watch it? That sort of thing. So there'll be plenty going there. I think there's a, there's a massive allocation that often is at Blackburn. I think I was there it was quite a few years ago in the cup when when Chris Samba was was playing for Blackburn and I'm pretty sure he set up their winner. It was miserable. But yeah, there's a massive away allocation there. So there'll be loads of fans going. But for those who can't make it, it's Tuesday night, 7.45 kickoff. And it's actually on TV. So I think it's a BBC one. Um, so yeah, another game on TV. But yeah, it does. It feels huge, doesn't it? I think... The disappointment of Arsenal, the feeling of our season kind of disappearing into nothing. It could be the case if this week goes badly, but it could also go in a completely different direction if we can pick up not only, well, we need to focus on Blackburn first, but if we can get through in the cup and then take that momentum into Wolves on Saturday, it would it would give us a completely different feeling, wouldn't it? So, yeah, it really does feel big in terms of momentum and where our season's going, doesn't it? Yeah, and what's House said in the press conference? Like, what what do we know about injuries and things like that? Will Willock start? Yeah, well, he actually said Willock's very close to starting, and he seems to he seems he seems to be toying with the idea of playing him. He said there'll be like a late judgment call on that. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because I, you want to kind of field your best team, but then you've also got to be conscious of arguably needing our key players more against a, a sort of pretty decent informed Wolves team than we would against Blackburn. They were have been sort of struggling in the championship. But at the same time, we can't we can't afford not to take this game seriously. But I just think with Willock, it's a tough one because we, as I mentioned earlier, we need that new dynamic in our midfield. But we also have to manage these players carefully because Willock's had, I think, two reoccurring injuries this season, which have kept him out pretty much into until now, haven't they? So mm. it'll be interesting to see if he resists the urge to, to play him. He said that Dubravka, they're not sure yet whether he'll recover from illness. But if he doesn't, I think Karius will get another start. He wasn't bad against Arsenal. Tao talked a little bit about Botman. He said, just defending his poor form, he said that he has had a very serious knee injury. He seems to think he's over it, but he is the, the club are monitoring that. So I think it's a bit of it's it's a bit of context there behind Botman's struggles that he did have a serious knee injury and the club actually didn't even identify it and let him play for a couple of weeks on it, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, Dubravka will have to wait and see. Willock could start. Isaac got 60 minutes against Arsenal, so it'll be interesting to see if he can start again with us having two games this week. Howe also said Nick Pope's a couple of weeks away still, but Anderson and Target are, I think, are very close to being back in training and I think are due back this week in training. So fairly positive on the injury front. He also mentioned that Joe Linton's new contract was an absolute priority. He kind of doubled down there on saying how important it is for the club to to keep him. And uh, another thing he said, which I thought was, which was very true, is he kind of, he didn't even defend the performance at Arsenal. He kind of said, something along the lines of there's a bit like I mentioned earlier this um he said there have been performances where we've not been at our best and you can understand that we've had players out of position we've had no substitute 
we've relied on the same players, 11 players continually. But this game was different. We just did not perform and we have to take responsibility for that. Every aspect of our game was off. So I think it's quite good that he's fronted up to Arsenal and said, look, there wasn't any excuses there. I can't even defend it. It wasn't like us. But obviously, hopefully we put that right against Blackburn. Um, and on Blackburn, I mean, they, they do, they've got the top score in the championship, haven't they? Shemodix, or whatever his name is. Yeah, I mean, he, he seems to be banging in the goals. But on the flip side, Adam Wharton, a player that we were linked with a lot, actually, I think Newcastle scouts were watching him, generally considered or was considered to be their best player. He left in January to Crystal Palace. It was like a 20 million plus move. So they've lost arguably their best player. They, they've John Dal Thomason, who obviously former Newcastle player, left um, as their manager earlier in the month. Had a little look, and since since he's left, they've won one, they've drawn three, and they've, they've lost one. Because I think their new manager is John Eustace, who used to be Birmingham's manager, I think. So, mm. yeah, they're, they're 16th in the championship, which is sort of they're, they're not a great side. They've 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 uh, in terms of goals conceded, only bottom of the league Rotherham have conceded more. They've, they've conceded 60 goals in 34 games. So it could be a, a meeting of two two teams shipping goals. So there could be there could be plenty of goals, but. But yeah, based on their form, based on the, the, the star player they lost in January, um, the goals they're conceding, this is a game you'd, you'd really fancy us to win. And especially when we've, we've got a lot of motivation there, given our weight for a trophy and, and the need to put things right after Arsenal. So there's nothing to fear here. And it should be one of those games where we can really attack them and hopefully keep it tighter at the other end. Quickly, predicted 11. I'm going to go. Um, well, if Dubravka's still ill, Karius. Trippier... Yeah. Botman Shah, Burn, Miley, Bruno, Longstaff, Isak, Gordon, Miggy. I'm just going to go full strength. I don't know why he'd change. So, yeah, I've got to, I, I think Karius is going to be in goal. I think if Dubrav was not well, there's no point, especially when Karius has just, just finally got another game. Um, I, I can't lie. I think we'll see Lascelles as centre back. I, I just think, I think maybe for Botman, and this isn't sort of a, ooh, Botman's been dropped and, and he's suddenly in house bad books. I just think there's maybe signs of him not fully recovered from his from his knee problem. I'm not saying it's still causing him issues, but he's obviously struggling for form a little bit. I think Lascelles has, has done a, generally a very solid job this season. Um, how isn't the sort of the messages with the def- with his def- the defence? I just think, I don't know, I've just got a feeling Lascelles could play. I think, I think Byrne will come back in at left back. I actually thought, I think Livermento seemed to pick up a little knock early in the game, which he seemed to recover from. But when Byrne came on, I actually thought he did well, not just defensively pretty solid, but got the assist for the goal. So I, to be honest, I think I can see Byrne coming back in. I think you'll just Look, resist... A, a, a little thing, sorry, just we didn't talk about this very long because I don't have a lot of time, but a little thing that no one has said, and of course they wouldn't, is I thought Livermento for a couple of their attacks was completely in the wrong place against Arsenal. Yeah. Um, we but I guess this is... because. Yeah, because I, everyone's been calling for him to start, but I don't think he was great against Arsenal. He wasn't, to be fair. And uh, but the hard part there is, no, when was. he hasn't been <laughs> playing much football. Well, yeah, no one was good, but when he hasn't played much football, it's also a tough ask to, for for Livermento to come in and go right, play at your best again. Then because he had that spell around the sort of the PSG game and when he was playing at left back, he was brilliant. But um, but yeah, anyway, I, sorry, I I, I, I digress. Carry no, on. but that's fair, fair point. Um, mm. but yeah, I think Burn will come back in. I fancy Lascelles to play. I think the midfield three might stay the same on the basis that I think we need Willock more against Wolves. And I don't 100%. think Willock could start Blackburn and Blackburn. The worst and thing ever would be starting Willock against Blackburn when yeah. we, don't, we needn't to. And then he gets, yeah, gets I just think so, with Wolves, they're Wolves, quite Wolves, a sort of yeah. athletic, pacey team and we're going to really need his pace in that game. So 
I think Willock, if he's needed, will come off the bench. I think the front three, I'm a little bit torn on Isaac because can Isaac start three games in a week when he's had these groin issues? I'm not so sure. But I think because he played 60 against Arsenal. I think that's maybe why he got brought off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we might look to play Isaac for the first sort of 45, 60 minutes. I think Murphy will come in down the right. I think Amron's been anonymous the past few games. And I think Longstaff has too, to be honest, but there's not many other options there. And I think Barnes will come in down the left. But I feel a bit weird saying Gordon won't start. But, mm. um, but yeah, I, I definitely think we'll see Barnes and Murphy back in attack. Okay. Good. All right. So prediction of your score quickly. 3 I reckon. Nice. I reckon 3 0. 3 0. Back in the right, clean let's do it. Yeah, let's do FYI, man, because I've got to go in six minutes. So, um, <laughs> you, I'm testing you. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So, Arsenal, Newcastle, Blackburn. So, you see what I've done there? All three. Oh, I like so that. Our, our game before and our game after. So Arsenal, Newcastle, Blackburn, Sunderland, Manchester United, Manchester City. That's right, people. Play along at home, Blackburn. everyone. Sunderland. He's played for both Manchester clubs. Both Manchester clubs. He's also played for Newcastle and Sunderland. He's also played for Blackburn and others. Not that they're rivals. Uh, I've got someone. Mm. Mm. Someone's coming in my head, and it, it's someone who I actually saw I do an interview last week saying he doesn't feel he got enough respect as a player. And my problem is here, I don't remember him playing for Arsenal. Interesting. Well, do you um, go for it or not? Yeah, go on. I will because I might have not even realised he played for Arsenal. Is it Andy Cole? He gets a ball. He scores a goal. Andy, <laughs> Andy Cole. Uh, yeah, it is. He played for Arsenal once at his first club. So he came from Arsenal oh, right. to Bristol. Makes City, sense. Yeah, oh, it was a good one because well it was a big mixture. But yeah, he, he he had an interview last week saying he doesn't feel he got enough respect as a player. And to be fair, the amount of non-penalty goals he scored, he's probably about right. He was prolific. Yeah, 180-something Premier League goals. Yeah, crazy. And the other clubs he played for, I mean, there's loads. Fulham, Bristol City, um, uh, Portsmouth, Birmingham, <laughs> Burnley, Forest. Crazy. Uh, right. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Thank you very much, Ollie. Uh, let's hope we get through in the FA Cup and we'll be back maybe later this week, probably uh, in some sort of form. Is that right, Ollie? To preview yeah, the, the Wolves game. I'm thinking of doing a, a short one just to sort of review the, the Blackburn and look ahead to Wolves. So maybe Wednesday, cool. Thursday. But if not, definitely back next Monday. All right. Thanks very much, everyone. See you later. See you guys. Podcast Network.